That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to another Denver Nuggets W 97-87 Game 2 victory at home at Ball Arena on a, a, a Monday night. The Nuggets going up 2-0 to in their Western Conference semifinals matchup against the vaunted Suns, a Suns team that was supposed to uh, come out of the West, according to the odds. A proud sponsor of this podcast, our friends at Superbook, uh, had the uh, had the uh, Phoenix Suns as the odds-on favorite to represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals, and they find themselves in a freaking vice grip. That is what the math says, and that is what my eyes are telling me. Let's talk about the math first. A total of 446 playoff series in NBA history have had at some point a status of 2-0. to zero. Okay, 446 times in NBA history. There's been a scenario like the one that the Suns are in and the Nuggets are in. The, the teams that have the 2-0 lead have gone on to win 413 of those 446 playoff uh, series up 2-0. to zero. They are 413-33, and 33, meaning that if you have a 2-0 to zero lead in the NBA playoffs, you go on to win that series historically 92.6% of the time. That is overwhelming. And that is the exact position that the Nuggets have put their 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 own selves in. And let's talk about some of the uh, uh, dynamics. You know, I say you know the math says it, and my eye, and my eyes say it. Uh, I'm going to share a bunch of my observations. I was at the game. I was at Ball Arena on Monday night. Uh, had an opportunity to go. Um, had a pathway for a ticket that I could buy from for face value. Um, from uh, my coworker Orlando Franklin because he's a he's a season ticket holder, so he has first right to refusal. So I got to sit in a pretty awesome seat um, for just what it costs, not the secondary market. Uh, so that was amazing, and got a bunch of takeaways from the game. And I just want to start. It, it would feel. Um, Unnatural to start anywhere other than Nikola Jokic, who took 30 shots on Monday night. 30. That is unusual for Jokic, but it was completely required on Monday evening. He ended up scoring 39 points, yanked down 16 rebounds. He started slow in that department, by the way, and really turned it up. Um, literally by quarter, got a little bit better in the second quarter, a little bit better in the third quarter. Then in the fourth quarter, he was incredibly impactful on the glass. Uh, so he goes for 39 points, 16 rebounds, five assists, two steals. Oh, throwing a block as well. Jokic was unequivocally the best player on the floor. Uh, the timeliness and the shouldering of the burden when they needed it most, particularly uh, in that in that third quarter uh, and down the stretch of the game in the fourth, he was just lights out. 
absolutely lights out. Um, uh, 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 Devin Booker uh, ended up scoring 35 points and, and shined really bright. Man, he, was, he is really fun to watch up close. I mean, the way that he elevates on even just his you know, mid-range jumpers, uh, it's really remarkable to, to, to see up close. Uh, so talented. Uh, he scores 35 points, but I thought uh, Jokic was, uh, in fact, the best player on the floor. He did not have his running mates. He just didn't. I mean, Jamal Murray. I mean, guys, these. this is why I asked the questions about Jamal that I do. Can he be the second best player on a title team? We know that when Jamal is burning bright, he is as good as anyone in the NBA, quite literally, right? Like this past week when you're watching Jamal score you know, 40 points against the Timberwolves. You're watching him score 35 against the T-Wolves. We, we just watched him uh, open up this second-round series against Phoenix with 34, you know, making six threes. So that's, for me, not really debatable. When he's having those nights, he's as good as anyone that the league has to offer. Uh, he just doesn't do it consistently. And not like you need to score. And I remember Michael Malone said this probably, oh my gosh, we've been doing this podcast for five years now. Um, I think this was three seasons ago because it was definitely before the injury. Michael Malone had a comment to Jamal, something along the lines of, I don't need you to give me 30 on a Tuesday and then 14 on a Thursday. Can you just get to to 25 points every single night and it's obviously easier said than done right like we're asking this guy to be the best version of himself a game in and game out like it's it's a it's a it's a hard request right are you the best version of yourself every single day at work probably not um but jamal is getting paid like a superstar he's got the expectations of a of a secondary star on a title team and to have nights where he is just so unimpactful throughout huge swaths of the game. I'm not talking about a, a cluster of possessions. I'm not talking about a quarter or two. Or two. Uh, Jamal went 3 of 15 in 39 minutes, 0 for 9 from 3. And, you know, the, the angle of my seat, we're in the 10th row where the Nuggets were uh, in the first half shooting uh, on the basket that, that we were next to. And, you know, and I'm sure you saw it on the television copy or even if, you were, even if you were there in the arena, regardless of what seed you had. His looks from three were like practice. I mean, they, these were some of the most open looks that you'll get in an NBA game, and he was just missing them. Um, is it fatigue? Is he tired? Maybe, you know, they did, they did, it's not a back-to-back, right? It's the playoffs, but they did just play two nights ago. I'm really not going to go to that excuse because it's not really an excuse. It's game two of the second round. Um, maybe he is tired. I, I don't really care. Um, we're on the largest stage yet of this season that this league has to offer, and it will get bigger, um, and that was pretty discouraging. Now let's turn the coin over. There was some timely shots Right down the stretch of the game, Jamal found a way to be uh, effective, but uh, and 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 they needed it, no doubt. But luckily, they have a guy like Jokic that just, I mean, took the mantle of responsibility there uh, in that second half. Um, 
in a game where um, it was a coin flip game and, 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 and big portions where the Nuggets were down and trying to come back. Jamal Murray was nowhere to be found during those stretches. Um, so you take you take the good with the bad. You 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 turn the page and move on for game three. And my expectation is he's going to shoot it much better. They will have you know a handful of days off, too many days off, uh, in my opinion, um, as these two teams won't meet back up until uh, what is it Friday. Which is goodness. I mean, that is just a long time. You play on a Monday in the playoffs, and then you're not going to play again until a Friday. That is unusual. Um, and 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 I think that probably benefits Phoenix more, uh, if I just had a guess, considering uh, the age of Kevin Durant and also what's going on with Chris Paul. And let's talk about that real quick. Um, Chris Paul, non-contact groin injury. Not good. I mean, and, and I believe, I believe we talked about this on the preview episode. And if we didn't, it was a previous episode talking about Phoenix. And I asked the question, are we sure Kevin Durant, Chris Paul can hold up for a seven game series where you're going to be playing major minutes every single night on the heels of an NBA season? on the heels of a first-round series against the Clippers in which they played major minutes. Like, guys, Kevin Durant played 44 minutes. Devin Booker played 45 minutes. All right? Like, that is that is that is as many minutes as you're ever going to see um, a star play in a playoff game. Chris Paul obviously leaves early, uh, uh, you know, and, and he walked right in front of us as he's leaving. And, man, he just kept on. Like, when you naturally have an injury, say, just as human beings, we do this. Um, you know, something happens to your forearm. You are naturally going to take your opposite arm if it's a serious injury, and you're just going to have your hand on it. You're going to be rubbing it. You're just going to have like a physical presence on it. Just as human beings, we have a a tendency to do that uh, when we're injured. And when I saw Chris Paul not taking his hand away from his groin area as he left the floor, dude, this guy, Chris Paul, has a million and two miles on him. He's 37 years old. He's going to be turning 38 here this week. His birthday is in four days. He's going to turn 38 years old. Guys, he's, in the, he's from the class of 2005. Guys, I'm 36 years old. I have a four-year-old. I have a one-year-old. I've bought in a house. I've lived in five apartments since 2005, I was in high school. I was a senior in high school in 2005. Chris Paul has been doing this forever, and his body just cannot hold up. This is the ninth example in the last, you know, how since he got into his 30s, and he, I'm, no one's to fault. It happens. The fact that he's held up this way is incredible. Um, I'm saying all this to say, I'm not expecting to see Chris Paul back in this series. I'm not. I'm I'm literally not expecting to see him. And if I do see him, and we could, maybe we see him on Friday. That might even be better for the Nuggets because he's already struggling to be effective. Certainly nowhere near effective as he used to be, even three seasons ago. Um, But if he's going to be like 70% of himself physically, and he was already kind of at, 68% of the player that he was. Now you're going to tell me he's even 70% of, of the, you know, physically. 
Guys, Phoenix is in trouble. I, I, I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm not, I'm, I'm not like bravado guy. I'm not hot take guy. My eyes are telling me that the Phoenix Suns do not have an answer for the Denver Nuggets. Their defense is not nearly as good enough as it as it needs to be to slow down an offense like Denver. And I'm saying that on the heels of Denver scoring 97 points, they didn't even put the ball in the bucket. They really struggled from three. Um, they shot 25, 26% as a team. They were, they were 7 of 27. They didn't shoot it well. Jamal Murray was mostly terrible offensively. 0 for 9 from 3, 3 of 15. Michael Porter Jr. was a non-factor to the point where Michael Malone benched him in the second half. Those are two max players who really, really struggled. And you lost by double figures. So is there going to be some sort of course correction um, shooting the basketball from Phoenix? Yes, I'm expecting that because they really struggled from 3-2. I didn't think they could shoot it worse than they did in game one. They found a way. They were 6-for-31 from 3. That's 19%. That's awful. That's going to get you beat almost every single night. But but is there something to the three-point struggles? This is not... This is not a basketball team who is, you know, making a defense shift and move around from side to side and, you know, getting a shot with six seconds left in the shot clock when it's touched everyone and it looks like the Spurs or the Warriors. These guys are playing one-on-one. You guys are seeing that, right? And I said this, I said this in the preview episode. I went on Arizona Sports 98.7 down there, um, our sister station. It does great. They're a, they're a, blowtorch down there in Phoenix. And I said, you you guys know this isn't a game of two-on-two, right? This is going to be five-on-five, and other guys are going to have to play. Denver's the better team. I didn't know to the degree, even as I said that, that it would play out. It's not even, they're not trying to play two-on-two. They're trying to play one-on-one. They're almost playing like a, a baseball game within a basketball game. And what I mean by that is baseball is a team sport, but I've heard it, I've heard it put like this. The game of baseball is like a, a solo act, uh, a solo performance within a concert. You are playing on a team, but when you're up to bat, it's just you. Like if you're the pitcher, you're on a team, but it's just you. You're playing third base. You're on a team, but you don't get reinforcements trying to corral the ball. Like it's just you. You're out there. you got to make a play or not. That's how Phoenix is playing basketball. They are they, their their offense is take a take turn offense. Durant comes down, he gets to try to make a play. Booker comes down, he gets to try to make a play. Now it's Durant's turn again. Now it's Booker's turn again. Now let's see if we can sprinkle and get DeAndre Ayton involved. Okay, that's not where. Let's give it back to Durant. It's like it, there's no harmony. And this is what I was talking about when you try to build the airplane as it's taking off. This is not the way this league stinking works. And we were all over the dynamic of it. We really were. The Nuggets look like a team that is, has experience, that's been together for years, that has poise, and they have the best player in the series. The Suns look like a group that they don't exactly know. Um, they're not a lubricated offense. There is these clunky parts, and there's missing parts. There's missing parts. You think about the guys, in addition to Booker and CP3, that gave Denver so many problems a few years ago. Uh, uh, Mikhail Bridges isn't walking through that door. 
Bridges, one of the best two-way players in the NBA, probably one of the best 10 or 12 two-way players in the NBA. I think he's going to get to five or six. Uh, one of the best five or six two-way players. He's not. He's gone. You have to give him up in the Durant trade. Cam Johnson, like he's he's gone. Uh, Jay Crowder, he's not he's not there anymore. This is a different group, and you know, um, like the Phoenix Suns bench. I mean, look at their bench production. He had four points off the bench. Four. I, I have more fingers on one hand than the Suns had points off their bench. Uh, so. I mean, it, it's it, it's 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 not. I don't think it's sustainable to a level where you're going to beat Denver four of the next um, five games. I just can't see it. I now now you say Zach, you're getting carried away. Game three could be different. They could shoot the piss out of the ball, and, and maybe they do. And by the way, I'm expecting Phoenix to win a game here. Um, can they win two? They can. Is that my expectation at this point? It's shifting. I thought this was going to be Nuggets in seven. I, I, I'm I'm having to like have a referendum uh, uh, because of what I'm seeing. I, it, I, I don't think Phoenix is going to win three games against the Nuggets. I just don't. Uh, I think this could be a shockingly short series um, because there's things that that you can't scheme away. I don't think there's like these like one or two adjustments that's just going to like flip the series. I, I don't. I'm expecting the Nuggets to to split in Phoenix, and um and, and this to be done in five or six games. So I mean, look, Book Booker's going for 35 points. What is it? Does he does he have to go for 50 to to win? He might. And then here's the other thing about Durant. Just a general observation: he doesn't look like he doesn't look like prime Kevin Durant. He just something's off. Durant is now three for 15 in the series. And I think a lot of it has to do with that lack of, you know, togetherness and continuity and, and, and lack of experience together. But in a, even in addition to that, just like singular talent, like Durant has been able to out-talent guys forever. Um, and, 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 and he still could. I mean, he could, he could like legitimately go for 50 in the next game. But I, I just don't know if that's sustainable for that guy anymore. 24 points on 20, 27 shots, 2 for 12 from 3. No bueno. I mean, no, no good, no good. You know, turning the ball over in the series. Uh, he did a better job in game two, but game one was a disaster. So yeah, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope. I want to give him his own uh, solo shout out. Uh, he played over forty minutes, uh, scored fourteen points, five for six from the floor. Absolutely brilliant, efficient. But the four for four from three. Perfect from three, and it was the timeliness of those shots down the stretch of the game where Michael Porter Jr. was on the bench, where uh, Jamal Murray couldn't, you know, hit water if he fell off a boat. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope was the dude. And that, we've been talking about it since the uh, addition was made. Him and Bruce Brown. Uh, Brown, you know, plays 25 minutes, uh, scores nine points, got to the free throw line, had, did a good job on the glass. Um you know, was, uh, you know, effective again. Um, but KCP, uh, this was one of his signature nights when some of that championship pedigree from the past shines through in the most important quarter when the game is hanging in the balance and some of your other, you know, quote-unquote stars are not pulling their weight. There was Contavious Caldwell Pope picking up the slack. You love to see it. You love to see it. 
Aaron Gordon, 16 points, hyper-efficient. Uh, I will say this. Uh, Gordon was good, not great. Okay, Gordon was good, not great. Um, rebounding. Gordon has an opportunity to punish Phoenix on the glass, and he didn't. He didn't corral one offensive rebound. He had just one total rebound, and that's that's that that, that that's got to get better. Even in a win, uh, Gordon can do much better in that department. I expect him to, um, and I actually will uh, likely be jumping on his over rebounds uh, next game, depending on what it is. Probably somewhere between five and a half, six and a half. He's got to get better in that department. That's something that you can control every night, right? Like your three is not going to fall every night. You know that mid range. Some nights you're going to get your shot blocked. Some nights you're not going to finish. Um, but rebounding is something that is a controllable night in and night out. Aaron Gordon's got to do a better job in that department. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, gets benched the fourth quarter. I think he played like just like maybe five, six, seven minutes in that second half total. And I can tell you, and I don't know what the cameras caught because I didn't rewatch it. It was a late night, and it's already an early morning. It's a time of recording. It's about 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday. Um, Porter was pissed. Porter was pissed. Don't know what the cameras caught. Don't care. I'm here to tell you I was sitting there live. Porter was pissed off. Um, I get why he was. He's a competitor. He wants to be in the game. He wants to be out there. And he kept on looking down the bench at Malone, trying to like make eye contact almost, and just shaking his head. He was uh, extremely despondent. Um, you know, he's struggling. Like he, five points in 23 minutes on two of seven shooting, zero of two from three. Um, you know, just not really impactful. Uh, he's coming off a game where, you know, he was un, uh, uh, unimpactful for large stretches of game one. Uh, he was not the best version of himself by any means in game five against Minnesota, where he scored uh, just eight points. That was his low of the series. So now three games in a row, 39 minutes in game five against Minnesota, eight points over 30 minutes in game one against Phoenix, uh, one for four. From three, eleven points. Not not the worst because he 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 did have you know a couple other timely plays, um, but overall putting together four quarters, lackluster. And then you follow that up with game two, twenty three minutes, five points, two of seven from the field. Um, it's got to get better. It's got to get better. And I think maybe the thought from Michael Malone was combined with him just not playing well. Let's start there and not ignore that. Him combined with him just not playing well, maybe another ball handler out there for the pressure that Phoenix was uh, ratcheting up. Um, I did not hear the uh, the the post game press conference. Maybe Malone addressed that, uh, but at the time of recording, I I, I don't know that to be true. Um, but he's got to be better. I mean, he's got to be better. We we should all agree on that. If if we don't all agree on that, there's some sort of ulterior motive or agenda at play because he just was objectively um, below average, period. Um, okay, uh, we're going to leave it there for now. Um, game number three is on Friday. We are going to take a couple days off with the Nuggets. Um just been very busy at work, NFL draft stuff, got a million stuff going on at home. So we um, were, were thrilled to come in here, react to the game. By the way, by the way, before we get out of here, shout out Ball Arena. I mean, it was just fantastic. The crowd, the energy um, was just great. 
the, the, the fourth quarter intensity um, of that arena. It was palpable, and I thought Nuggets fans showed up in a major way in ways that they didn't just a couple years ago. Suns fans took over huge portions of Ball Arena a few years ago when these two teams played, uh, and, you know, Suns and Four Guy, and they swept Denver. They took over the arena. It's not the case. Nuggets Nation was out there in full effect, and I was thrilled to be there sitting uh, among them. All right, guys, Denver has a 2-0 to zero lead. This is best-case scenario. Uh, 90, almost 93% of the time, team that is in the Nuggets situation goes on and crosses the finish line, and the Nuggets uh, need to finish their business, need to finish their business. There's still work to be done in this round, obviously, and whatever happens next on Friday... You already know we're going to be reacting to it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.